0: welcome to the five phenomenon podcast i'm your host shane hazen and this is this is the inaugural episode, uh, so well I'm glad to be a part of the marketplace that's being drowned out right now. Uh, coming up on the show, for our very first guest, we have uh, Evansville filmmaker Kevin um, He, I met him at a film festival a few years ago, as I mentioned later in our talk, and one of the things that... Um, made me in particular find him to be a remarkable person, at least in the, um, Evansville area in Southern Indiana, is that he's one of the few filmmakers I know currently that's making movies in town that aren't genre films. Um, uh, so we get into that and a few other, um, areas and try to follow his journey. Um, but yeah, today on, the um, Uh, What have I been watching this week? If you want to, you can follow me on... I'm a big avid user of Letterboxd. It's a kind of um, uh, social network for your film-going habits. Uh, Over the years, I've found that... um, Because I'm too lazy to have a diary... That it's easier for me to... um, Follow or write down when I saw what I saw... And my memory immediately takes me back to what I was doing that day, so I'm a very meticulous Letterboxd user. Uh, I'm on there as Bodamander, B-O-D-A-M-A-N-D-E-R, um, and you can follow what I watch this week, uh, which you know can range from um, obscurest things from in my Netflix queue to the most pedestrian mainstream uh, movies. And now that I'm back in Evansville, there's a lot of mainstream movies in there, but um i saw two interesting things this week um last sunday i saw a portrait of a lady on fire which did well at can and um it was good um it was very painterly and um uh, i went i drove to the iu cinema to see it which iu cinema is a very cool resource uh which i'm gonna be utilizing a ton while i'm in town. Um, it's a two-hour drive from evansville um but beforehand uh the when the people's talking about it uh name check david ehrlich's review of it from can and uh she um mentioned some very insightful things about lgbtq cinema uh nailing certain aspects of love stories better than straight love stories do anymore and a lot of that's the um compulsive need to be with somebody else very specific and um i thought that was a very very insightful line there uh there's a line in the movie something along the lines i'm, I'm bastardizing it but uh does every lover think they're inventing uh love for the first time it's just, it's just something along those lines but um the other odd thing about the movie though is it's very leisurely paced and i've been running into a problem uh, the last two years occupationally, uh, I'm a film editor, and um, it's something in my uh, just film editor brain always wants me to make things go, it's not faster, just more economic. And it, it, a lot of it, I find it's just you want to um, make sure that uh, you can't, a viewer can't feel the rhythms of a scene just because then they start to predict the rhythms of a scene and they get ahead of it and so i was constantly just finding ways that this thing could go faster but the the thing about leisurely paces sometimes uh when they're deliberate and someone knows what they're doing like um notably like someone like tarkovsky is when payoffs happen uh they feel more earned and so the end of this movie is uh, pretty devastating so it's i highly recommend that and speaking of long paced the other interesting thing evansville is one of the only theaters or uh, cities uh in indiana that got the irishman uh just uh we're approaching thanksgiving right now and uh we got a theatrical viewing of it right before it's released on uh, nationwide on netflix on thanksgiving and um it was great um You know, some people were saying to see it in a theater, and unfortunately, um, a three and a half hour movie in a theater. I thought the last 45 minutes or half hour were the most effective parts of the movie, and I had to pee so bad while watching this. But um, the other thing with Scorsese of late is um, I know this sounds kind of uh, like heresy, but. Um, ever since he's been making those uh, comments about Marvel not being cinema, I've just found myself not appreciating Scorsese as much as I should, just because like, you know, I feel like in my entire lifetime, we've always considered Scorsese to be like the greatest American filmmaker, uh, at least. And I'm not sure that mantle has been true or deserved since at least Goodfellas. And but I mean, it's again, you don't I, I'm not trying to be unappreciative of a resource as amazing as as him. And um, a lot of it's also just because he's so encyclopedic. A lot of us treat him as a um, just godfather of movies and what's good. And I just find myself, I don't know if it's like a scoddling child to Scorsese being a father, but just rejecting Certain things about it, and um, s- the, the the Irishman, like I said, is good. Um, I, one of the weirdest, most frustrating things I, I really feel like the de-aging technique almost could have been flawless if he didn't make uh De Niro wear those, those really notable blue contacts, like Uncanny Valley really came in, but but Scorsese. One thing I really thought a lot of, and I also thought a lot of, in his uh, Marvel or um, annoyance with Marvel and saying it's not cinema, when you pair it, especially with uh, his op-ed, you realize a lot of why he's saying it's not cinema is just because he thinks there's too uh, many people working on it and it's not an auteurist thing. And um, for one, I'd argue that that kind of uh, gets rid of... Um, Uh, Pixar movies too you'd argue Pixar movies aren't cinema by that definition and over the years uh, as I've worked as a below the line crew member as an editor uh, I've really come to not love the auteur theory as much anymore and um, Scorsese especially watching this movie really struck me as being so beholden to it so you have a hundred million dollar production that's uh really obsessive with someone's tics and certain aspects of the auteur theory um seem like they're remnants of post-war mid-century um obsession with writing the great american novel but writing it on film and i you know uh scorsese famously said that um what makes an auteurist interesting are his flaws their their flaws on top of uh, what they're good at and that just seemed really apparent to me watching the irishman just because he, it's it's such a great movie about um, someone reflecting on their mortality but we've been familiar with Scorsese for years and we've come to know what to expect from him and maybe that is a, that's a good thing that you're coming back to a friend who's gotten the opportunity to make bigger and bigger movies on bigger and bigger canvases but um i just i, I feel like movies the moving image what's entertaining to people is is um changing and there's times where scorsese feels like he's backward looking more than forward looking um and Maybe I'm being too hard on him just because it's, it's. Scorsese's a treasure that I'm, um. not appreciating properly, but. Um. <laughs> and all this to go around to say, I did like the movie. I, I really did. It was. Um. The other th- notable thing I would point out about it is it reminded me of a mix of his last two movies, Wolf of Wall Street and Silence, or his feet last features. And, um, you know, it it had that uh, giant canvas epic, particularly in the length, but it also had a pace that didn't feel boring, much like Wolf of Wall Street. So you had a plus three-hour movie that felt like you weren't... Um, you, you, everything was earned, and, and like it felt entertaining from start to finish. But also, as the silence, it's reminded me of. A, it was definitely more low key and meditative, and um. And he wasn't trying to, um, you know, juggle so much or do or jingle his keys for for us. He was he wasn't showing off. It was very much restrained, especially when you get to the end and. um I mean, most everyone's gonna have a chance to see it, possibly piecemeal. not maybe not in the full three and a half hour, uh, three and a half hour sit like I did. Um, at least most of us not in the larger markets, but currently. But um, but yes, those were the um, two interesting things I saw this week. Recently, I, when I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, I realized I haven't been
1: mispronouncing your last name. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. How have you been? Because uh, I've, I've probably been mispronouncing it, too. Oh, I no, I was going to say, oh, yeah, I have the authority on it. You've been getting it wrong. You probably. You've been family. Probably. For 35 years. Let's so.
0: not go with my pronunciation. Let's just go ahead and get into the record, your pronunciation. So, Family's um, official.
1: So, up until, uh, this is, and this is funny that we open with this, um, up until I say, you know, probably uh, seven years ago, I, I've always pronounced it "Chenault" with a hard T. Okay, the um, like
0: the Colbert, Colbert, Colbert thing. Right,
1: exactly right. Yeah, and then um, and then I I realized you know I should probably start pronouncing it the, the way that it's spelled and the way that it would it would be sounded sounded out with so, a silent T. With a silent T. And so um, I I did this at a party once, and uh, and I was I was walking up to a to a party, and and it was it was cold. It was in the winter, I think. Is this in town? Here in town, yeah. And I had a a scarf on, and uh, and a bottle of wine. (laughs) In one hand that I introduced myself, and I said, "I said, oh, you know." Were people I, I, around when you did this? Yes, yeah. And well, it, I mean, it, were, it, was, was there someone
0: with you who like? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Could, like, who,
1: suddenly, like, looked at you, like, who didn't, who didn't warn me against the hilarity of the situation because I didn't do it on purpose. I just, it just happened to be the the case. And I, so I pronounced my my last name Chanot, and I said, "Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Kevin Chanot," and and the person said, "Of course." <laughs> and then i looked down and i like you were had offering a, him grape coupon right, yeah and i had a bottle of wine and a scarf on and i realized oh man so where I'm have you gone with it me. um is it ch- now i've gone this weird middle ground where uh it's uh not exactly chanel and not exactly chanel but more of a chanel kind of pronunciation <laughs> so it's not just you it's me and and you know, oh, and, and well, my pronunciation
0: people, so. was this southern Indiana bastardization. No, never heard a French silent uh, consonant
1: <laughs> okay. ever. That's what, what got corrected. Was it Chenaults? Chin, I think Chenaults. Yeah. kind yeah. of
0: like an like a yeah. vaguely Indian American Indian.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've heard. I mean, man, I've heard it every way you could possibly ever ever say it, and I, I'm never offended. I'm just. I'm always grateful that people give it a try, <laughs> honestly. But Cheneaux, um is would be like the proper pronunciation of it. But,
0: okay. Are you is are you is your family French?
1: Uh yeah. Well, so um, interestingly, or maybe not so interesting. But um, but my. I am the only uh, person in my immediate family with the last name Chenault now, you know, and um, and right, and and you catch, and you'll catch me pronounce it multiple different ways, like I just did. I just kind of had a little soft T at the end. But are you only child? Uh, no, no. Uh, my my sister um, uh, had the last name, and she was recently married, so uh, so she you know took the took the last name White. Okay. Uh, but but we there's and there are like some others with the same last name within our region over in like the Tell City, Indiana area. You know Tell City, sure, and uh, Canleton, and some of these really really small towns and surely there's some relation there but there's a lot of drama in how um my father uh who passed away whenever i was three and my mother got together so that side of the family does not talk to us so it's like this big dramatic thing that happened where um you know, and it's it's like super personal, but okay. Uh, but I don't mind to talk about it. But it's it, you know it's like we, we, how yeah, far we don't have to how but... far into a therapy session do do we want to go? But um, but it was like uh, you know uh, my father was married at the time whenever he met my mom, so oh. that was one of those things. She was like the woman who stole him away from. Have you ever
0: talked to that side of the family?
1: Uh, you know, whenever I was younger, like, uh, you know, maybe up until I was about six or so, we would go to like family reunions and things like that. Did you gradually
0: phase Uh, out or what?
1: Yeah, we just kind of stopped going eventually. Like, you know, once my, um, like once, once my dad passed away whenever I was three and then kind of, you know, a few years after that, we were still really connected to that side of the family and eventually we just kind of stopped going around and it was kind of awkward anyways, because of that situation with my parents and how, how my, you know, my mother was kind of viewed as like a homewrecker at that point, you know, she was, you know, she was like 17 years old whenever she met, uh, Eddie, which is my, my, my dad's name. Um, you know, whenever they met, she was 17 years old and he was like, you know, wow. Uh, late 30s, so there's a massive age difference there. So she was kind of viewed from the, that side of the family as uh, someone who like wrecked a marriage, essentially. You know.
0: So, are you from here in Evansville? Mm-hmm. What side of town are you from? Um,
1: um, north side slash Jimtown. Oh, area. Have we talked about? We that?
0: have talked about this before, not in a recorded <laughs> setting, but yes, you you are raised Jimtown area. Um, so. Who, who is the? Which theater did you go to? Did you go to Showplace North?
1: Did you go to East? Yeah, North. um, North. Yeah, Showplace North was a big.
0: Were you around whenever there was that one in Town Center? I forget when it closed, because I remember seeing like Land Before Time there, in Town Center uh, on Diamond. Yeah
1: wow no yeah no, that's long ago but
0: I mean no, like I, I feel like we mi- I personally feel like I missed out on like certain theaters closed right as I was and Showplace kind of took over
1: like so Ross did you ever go to the mm. Ross
0: no but I mean I, I feel like it was in like, around my time I could have gone but. right I
1: feel like it, it definitely because I my first film that I ever saw in the theaters um uh well, sorry, that's not true. I was Is this say, the first one you remember seeing? I don't remember the first uh, few that I that I saw, but my um my mom just recently told me, you know, maybe within the past 5 to 10 years. It's funny how that's recent now. It's like, "Oh, recently, the past decade." Sure. Um uh, she told me that I, for the longest time I thought that my first film in the theaters was House Party. <laughs> and uh and which is not age appropriate for a seven-year-old, which was whenever I seven. went, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and my sister took me uh, to to the Ross, and we saw we saw a house party at, at the Ross. You know, you maybe
0: know? I'm misremembering this Land Before Time thing was at Ross, but oh, Ross is out yeah. on Washington,
1: though, right? That's right. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was right there, Washington and Bay. I don't Bay remember
0: going there. Yeah, I don't remember, but. Yeah. So, what did you think was the first movie you saw?
1: I thought it was House Party, and mm-hmm. and I thought I was I thought it was like whenever I was seven years old. House Party made a big impression. Uh, you know, half of the things that happened in that film, I had no idea what I was watching, and it was so not age appropriate. You know, right. and now that I have a six, almost seven year old, I'm like, God, what my sister took me to see House Party? Like that's crazy. How much older is your sister? Uh, she is. Um, uh, at the time she would have been like eighteen. So uh, yeah. So she was in that age group that was, you know, and she probably thought it was funny or cute <laughs> or whatever to you know, sure. to take me and
0: how's probably been like ninety? Um, let's see,
1: I was or six so. or seven. So uh yeah, ninety one, yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Wow, good yeah, good just, deduction there, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, but then uh, then I found out that it was actually uh Ghostbusters. Which is a much cooler first movie, Wait, except I don't remember a thing. of The original it because, Ghostbusters, yeah, not Ghostbusters Two. No, the original. But and the reason and the the whole the reason why I don't remember a lick of it is because um, is because uh, I was an infant. Like I was so young. Like it it came out in '84. Yeah, I was born in '84. No, 84. I've I've had a dispute. With, <laughs> I was uh, a baby. <laughs>
0: I've had a dispute with my family about this. No one remembers or no one cares. But I'm pretty sure Ghostbusters was mine and. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. because I probably thought it might have been Return of the Jedi, but I did the same thing you did where I was like, I was too young. They they wouldn't take a screaming baby to Return of the Jedi,
1: but yeah. Did they? Did I they don't take know. a screaming no, baby to return? No, because
0: the, the, the distinct thing with Ghostbusters is. Uh, it was the scariest movie to me. And, like, they let, I, I, from what I vi- remember, which, you know, how, you know, memory gets rewritten so many times over mm-hmm. the years, uh, I was taken out from getting too scared and we had to leave the movie early. But I more remember watching it on home video in my living room and thinking that um, the scene where Dana gets taken over by the dog, I remember, like, not wanting to put my hand on the upholstery because I thought a dog was going to come out and grab my hand. Or I kept looking, we'd watch in the living room, I kept looking in the kitchen thinking I was seeing red dots that were going to come in like yeah. stuff like that yeah. like and ghost. the
1: bathroom scene was that in the first one or the second one where she's second, in the bathroom second
0: one where um, the baby's getting um, the ghost yeah. the ghost comes in from the uh, outside
1: Yeah. yeah yeah so, yeah.
0: Showplace North was the main uh, place you would have gone to. Yeah,
1: Showplace North when it was in the uh, where like o- where like Oxygen nightclub yes. w- eventually took over and and then and now I don't know what it is but uh, but yeah that that space God, I loved I loved that theater yeah the North Side was a special place you know and even the 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 one that's there now North Side now is uh, I I prefer seeing. Films at at the North side show place over uh, probably all other um, theaters right now so I've how often
0: it. were you going to a movie when, as a kid after seeing house party
1: after right yeah once I, once I saw house party and it changed my life never changed, changed never went back never went back um no I think that uh, I I didn't I loved going to the movies you know it was always like going with friends and, and they were, you know, antsy to, to, you know, get out of the movie theater and go do something else or, or whatever, you know, I just, I never wanted to leave, you know, <laughs> I, I always wanted to, um, I, one of my earliest dates that I ever went on with a girl was, a uh, um, was, uh, the Mario Brothers movie, do you remember that one? Oh, I saw <laughs> the that at Showplace North, too. Dustin Hoffman, or De- I mean, not Dustin Hoffman. no, um, that, um that Dennis Bob Hopper. Hoskins and um, <laughs>
0: yeah. John Leguizamo. and yeah, um, yeah. was it uh, Dennis Hopper in that, too? yeah? No, yeah, he plays okay. uh, he plays Bowser, yeah. What man, it would have been a much
1: is. much funnier movie if Dustin Hoffman played Bowser. I remember,
0: <laughs> I can't remember What's her name's, uh, though she was in Pump Up the Volume, but she played uh, the princess. I had a huge crush on her at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, right, yeah, know uh, yeah, So that was you went on a date. I, I went on a date to that to that movie, you know, and I could I could have stayed, you know. Two hours longer and watch that movie. I loved that movie. I thought it was so cool. And uh, it was like just you know, I don't know how well it holds you up should, now. But.
0: I don't. I don't think it holds up. But you should look up. There's an amazing oral history on how that movie was made and really? why it was made. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: really amazing. But yeah, was it just uh, like Nintendo yeah. forcing it to happen, kind of thing? Well, not
0: even forcing it to happen. They just used the models at the time of like this is what's working for us right now, and then mm-hmm. slowly went off the rails, but. You know. Just with people they'd hire, but
1: Nintendo's an interesting company from a like business standpoint. You know, it just it seems like um, they haven't tapped into their properties being like well, that's whole, made into films. I was gonna say well. the video games in
0: general. Like you know, yeah, mo- the general consensus is that Edge of Tomorrow is the best video game movie, and it's not a video game movie. It's not a video game. Like right. it's, yeah. it's like it's hard to. To get the, the appeal and and then there's a weird crossover where, yeah. But yeah, um,
1: but now video games are looked at as 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 you know on equal footing as cinema or at least with a lot of people, well, you especially know, with mean, a lot of the crafts. God, and yeah. I mean, they're they're amazing works. You know, I'm not I haven't gotten uh, into that as much as what you know others have. You know, but like my my younger brother, I mean he he loves to be immersed within that world and, and i totally get the appeal because it, it would make a lot of sense why i would like them because right. i never want to leave a movie i mean i want to stick around i want to you know i just i'm, I'm hungry for that experience and for those characters in that world I, I would just want to live in that world forever you know i'm totally down so and that's why virtual reality like you're not
0: into no
1: i mean i think i'm too into it like oh. i think i would be I would be the Ready Player One. Have you messed around
0: with it yet? Do creation?
1: Not not creating anything within it, but um, but I think that it is dangerously addictive. Like I just love it. Like I would be the person who never left the house with the VR headset on and would like. Eat and sleep and shower, and probably not even shower. You know why do you have to shower? <laughs> do if you're a in VR a, shower if you're in a VR world. Yeah, artificial
0: um, uh, water is on you. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that I would, I would be that person who would just love that space. You know, uh, pro- I mean, even more so if I didn't have kids, probably. But you know, <laughs> but unless they are in the VR world too, which is sad. So <laughs> wait, sad to think about.
0: So when, the movies around this time you're starting to get into, were they kind of. Um, the stuff the the blockbuster stuff where the uh, visual effects were a big component, or what what was yeah. um what what was the first movie you acknowledged uh, a filmmaker behind it? Not even by name, but just noticed like someone made this. You, mm. you realize, or there was a technique behind it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact. I don't know the exact film, but I didn't. I mean, I didn't like. I I, I hadn't been exposed to, like. Um, what we would think of as, you know, true cinema, you know, or like art house or whatever that might, you know, those terms might be kind of thrown around. But, uh, but I don't think, I don't think that I started really understanding that, um, that there were people behind this and that there was a vision, whether it's a singular vision, you know, like we, you know, we were speaking about it at dinner, you know, um, that that whole you know is it an artist vision is it a collaborative effort i mean i i don't think i i didn't acknowledge that until way way late i in in my you know understanding and and excitement and interest in film way, way way later and and so the films that i liked and enjoyed going to see were uh yeah, we're Mario Brothers. I, like Titanic. I mean, I loved Titanic whenever it Titanic came when out. It
0: came out. Oh, oh my uh...
1: god! It was so good. It was just, it just blew my mind. It washed <laughs> over me it, like, and you know, honestly, maybe that. I don't even think then. I don't even think when Titanic came out, I really understood what, uh, you know. And I think maybe that was like right before I started wrapping my head around. Oh, there's people behind these things there's there's an artistic vision there it's not just a company making it or a, right you know there's a there's an artist at work here maybe L- around that time
0: let's rewind back again according mm-hmm. to your bio you sound like you were kind of a skate kid going mm-hmm. into, and that was maybe your gateway into it were you it was for sure yeah or were you one of those people like the, the spike jones template is mm-hmm. obviously the, the go-to here but were you someone that just got into the making of and then started branching out from there Mm-hmm. Like you started learning later, like learn stuff afterwards and, but more you were just doing.
1: So I didn't, uh, so I, my, my mom gave me, a, or my parents gave me, uh, my mom and my stepdad, my mother remarried, but, um, so my parents gave me a, uh, an RCA high eight camcorder that they those were
0: those kind of small you could fit in your hand ones
1: yeah it was you could fit in your hand uh and but the tape was still kind of big you know still had like a two and a half inch tape did you know it. the
0: one that you had to fit into the vhs size one it had the open compartment thing
1: it, you could do that there was like an adapter okay. that you could yeah, fit yeah. you could take the high eight and you could put it into a vhs size mm-hmm. uh deal and then pop that in i think maybe um but no this was a much smaller tape it was like a two and a half inch three inch tape and uh and they, you know, they gave this camera to me and they were like, you know, please be very careful with this because my parents were not. This wasn't um, the
0: family camera. They just gave it to you. No,
1: it was a fa- It was a family camera. Yeah. It was like what we filmed, you know, like Christmas and, okay. and okay. Thanksgiving and, and stuff like not Thanksgiving. Who films Thanksgiving? Christmas and stuff like that. But uh, but they uh, yeah, they gave this to me and said, you know, please be really careful with this because it was mm-hmm. it was we Did not have a lot of money. The fact that we had a camcorder was a big deal. None of my friends had camcorders, like their parents didn't have enough money to buy camcorders. We were all just kind of these, you know, these like little hood rats that um, we didn't have nice stuff like that. And so, the fact that my parents, you know, said, Hey, here's this camcorder, you can use it, but you know, you better bring this thing back, kind of thing. Um, but I wanted it to film skateboarding, right? So I took it immediately and I was like, thank you so much, Mom. Were you already it.
0: pretty good at skateboarding by this point or really into it? I was really
1: into it. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> you don't know about it. How I'm old sure. would you have been around this time? Uh, 12. Okay. I started skateboarding when I was 12. And uh, and it changed my life. I mean, it it, it sounds super cheesy and uh, and cliche to say, but it really, really did. I mean, before skateboarding, I was, you know, I was kind of a kleptomaniac. I was stealing a lot when I was a kid and acting out, uh, and I was terrible at it too. And so that just made it worse because I kept getting caught stealing, and my and my mom eventually she set me down. She's like, Kevin, you've got to stop doing this. Not only is it really immoral what you're doing, and it's not it's not a good thing. But also, you're just really, really bad at this, and you're going to go to, like, <laughs> little boy jail if you don't stop doing this. Little
0: boy jail uh, is also not something that's, that's a phrase you probably... You <laughs> right, know.
1: yeah, maybe I just made that part up, but she... You uh, and
0: Hitchcock uh, get up, and uh, you ever heard the Hitchcock story about his dad send him to jail? No. That's why he's afraid of cops. Cops are always oh. bad guys. His dad put him in jail. I don't know if it was like for a few minutes or what, but it was just yeah. like, if you're bad,
1: this is where you're going to go. My God. Whoa. Did he talk about that on the Dick Cavett show?
0: Probably. It, was st- it became yeah. this uh, overused story. I think he first talked about it Hitchcock Truffaut, but actually I don't know that. He probably talked about it endlessly, mm. you know, print the legend, you know.
1: God, I love I love the the legends of Hitchcock are just so phenomenal. I mean, I, I love the... the um, the, the cattle quote or whatever oh actors right? being cattle actors being cattle and, and then uh, I think he was asked about it on the Dick Cavett show and did and, you watch this
0: on YouTube? yeah Dick Cavett's been putting a bunch of stuff up on Gosh, YouTube it's good to watch they're yeah. so great I yeah. love those interviews they're phenomenal yeah.
1: um, but I think he was I think he was asked about it on Dick, on the Dick Cavett show and and, uh, and he said no that's not true at all I said that they should be treated as cattle, <laughs> <laughs> and so it just it, uh, it just uh, adds to the lore of it. But what an amazing, uh, yeah. Amazing. But we could talk about Hitchcock for an hour, probably. Um,
0: so, you, but I, I I like Hitchcock. But so your mom is telling you you're a kleptomaniac and you're bad at stealing. Yes, I'm
1: bad at stealing. You're going to yeah. Little Boy Prison. I'm going to go to a Little Boy Prison, which I did go to actually. I spent three days at at uh, what's called the YCC. Which is the youth care center? Oh wow! Here in Evansville, and uh, and it was uh, terrifying experience. I mean, it like really. This around twelve. It is eleven and eleven. Oh, before the video
0: before the video camera came into play. Yeah, and skateboarding. before
1: skateboarding. Yeah, and skateboarding like changed the whole game for me because I, I was, you know, I was really interested in uh, people. You know, sure. And I was like, I was, I was really interested in different people and people who would like, like there were. There were kids in the neighborhood who were much, much older than me, and I would go and hang out with them and, and you know, not really older? much older, 17, 18-ish. Were they the skaters? No. Okay. They were more like uh, kind of, uh, you know, just really up to no good as far <laughs> as like what they were what they were doing on a day-to-day basis. Okay. And A lot of, uh, I mean, there could be documentaries made about, about these groups minding of, the
0: gap best documentaries <laughs> right
1: yeah for sure um and you know and these so those were like that was my friend group you know and and for fun they would just you know we would just go around and steal stuff or you know break into cars and where'd you just, go to school you know um <laughs> uh hopped around a lot okay. but i went to Northside schools mainly so stringtown to delaware um, and then Delaware was elementary school. I went to Evans Middle School, uh-huh. went to North High School, and then to Bossy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I made my rounds a little bit. Um, but it was, you know, I was really interested in people, and I think that I just wanted to be around these, these kids who were older that were just different. You know, they just they thought in a different way than what I thought. And so that got me wrapped up into doing some stuff that was just oh. not smart. You know, you breaking think, like and thinking,
0: like that. thinking a way that's not good. That you,
1: right. Yeah, oh. very much so. I was, I was just attracted to just different ways of thinking, okay. you know, so it didn't matter if it was good or bad. If it were, if it were negative, it was almost more interesting to me. So I would like gravitate to, towards groups of kids who were, um, you know, like this one kid, for instance, had a giant gash on his leg and he had all these staples in his leg. I mean, big gash. It was like, it was like from the top of his thigh to the back of his thigh, you know, oh. wrapped around like a C shape, you know?
0: I had I this kid who uh, um, took the um, skin in between his uh, pointer finger and his thumb and he pierced it in front of me and like, just, I remember like that. With, with
1: like an earring or something? Uh, I want to say it was a safety pin, but
0: like, but do you, yeah. do you remember that like, like yeah. that age where it was like, it was weird, like self mutilation, like, like yeah. just. I don't know yeah. if it, maybe it was a specific timing too, where like people would have really disgusting, well, even like my best friend's sister pierced his eyebrow with yeah. like a warm safety pin. Right, yeah,
1: yeah I, pier- I a friend of mine pierced my ear, which I still have this little <laughs> little thing, and it's like way low, and it's yeah. like, yeah. But one of those kids, like one of those kids I'm talking about, and that friend group, you know, friend group, I mean, loosely <laughs> loose term there because it wasn't, um, it was more like, I was like an embedded documentary filmmaker. I just didn't have a camera, and I didn't know anything about film, and I didn't even know that documentary filmmakers existed. You so, know, like, I just wanted to soak up this. I just thought they were really interesting. And then skateboarding came along and just, just blew it out of the wall. It just, it just, without me noticing, it totally shifted my focus on hanging out with these, these groups of kids who were. Um, you know, taking me down a path or I was following them down a path that was just really not safe and healthy to, oh my God, I can focus on this and there's music involved and, and punk rock music. And then there's, then there's, uh, you know, then there's this video element and oh my gosh, what is this video? element? Well, what about? was the
0: first things you were shooting? Was it just tricks or like, mm-hmm. uh, tactile stuff of like who could do the most impressive yeah, pretty yeah, much.
1: yeah, pretty much. T- just yeah, trick. So we, so the camcorder was given to me, and of course, I immediately set it on the ground, and we filmed oh. ollieing over it. Oh <laughs> so we're just man. like So immediately, I'm just trying to push the boundaries of like. What when I you watched it, with. was
0: it did it was it cool or oh, was it, it pedestrian? Oh,
1: so cool! It looked so cool, at least to us at the time. It looked so cool, but I didn't. I really wasn't. That interesting in filming. I wasn't sure, that interested but- in filming. You know, I I actually like I would borrow my parents' camera and then hand it off to someone else most of the time. Like I wouldn't. Huh. I wasn't even that interested in the in the camera or the camcorder so much until we were about sixteen, or I was sixteen, and our group was around the average age of sixteen, and we started filming skits that was the game changer for me it was like oh my god there's um you know this is fun this is really exciting and setting up the camera and and you know i'm not even setting up more like just holding it on your you know in your hand because did you cut
0: did you cut in camera or did you because my when i was at when i was doing that we had i remember we mostly cut in camera until we tried to do, put the two VCRs together and we'd cut that way. But for the most part it was like, you stop yep. the emotion and yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's how we did it. And then we, uh, there was uh, RCA jacks from the camera that we could run into a VCR. And then we would be able to basically select edit that way. So we would just like the way that I would do it at home was just play the, like cue up the clip on the camcorder. And then just record it on the VHS tape, direct into the VCR.
0: Ah, so you were doing the two VCR ways, but you were using minus the,
1: one VCR. Yeah, but I mean, you, you were using, you were using a, a, a player and yeah. a recorder still. Though. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have any? I've just always been fascinated with uh, the the audio visual link between skating and filmmaking. You know, you done a lot of thinking on this of why people go into it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I you know, yeah, Spike Jones is amazing. Harmony Karine. There is so many examples of like, of skateboard. I mean, even now, recently, Jonah, you know, Jonah Hill and, yeah. and his. I was listening to this
0: podcast but. where Ed Norton said that he uh, he was a skater kid and that he's pretty sure Spike Jones sold him some skating equipment as a teenager. No
1: kidding. Yeah, that makes sense because Spike Jones worked at a skate shop yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that wow. That's they they thought about
0: it after the fact, but yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, 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 that's
1: that's really cool. No, I don't know what that link is. I I think it's just subculture and and being interested in.
0: You got, um, did, was there, tra- I mean, writ large, was there traded videos or was it just more you guys needed to like have visual evidence that you guys had done something cool?
1: I think it was, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there was a certain aspect of that, like visual evidence and archiving and, and like, you know, that whole archiving thing that just human beings love to do like i want to document this photo. i want to take a 35 millimeter still of this or now right. it's i want to post it on instagram right or make a tiktok video about this or or whatever it might be it just it seems like we want to document stuff right we want to archive it whether it's for for our own purposes and and put up know family photos you know to be able to look at sometimes or
0: kevin's pointed all the family photos i have in my house
1: yeah yeah they're phenomenal um and you know or or do we you know it it seems like there's a certain uh, element of that but also the inspiration of other um other skate videos that just really stood out to us and just really you know made us want to start putting music to you know to a soundtrack when did
0: you start putting music over
1: yeah yeah we started doing that um probably around the same time we started doing skits and stuff we started like really getting into editing and like really digging into okay this is cool what kind of
0: what kind of stuff were you putting over it uh
1: well we were you know at the time we were so you know we were probably playing like you know, putting some like you know, blonde redhead track on it huh. sort of mixed with like you know a US bombs track, mixed with US bombs
0: know. is where I thought you were going more yeah. well with it, <laughs> right? Like,
1: yeah. The blonde redhead threw you off, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: no. Well, I kind of we we went to the same shows at the same time, but like we didn't really. So you and I first met a few years ago at, um, it's been like twenty sixteen at the um, Evansville. Now has three festivals, although I think one or two of them might have gone by the wayside. Yeah, right. Uh, I think but, the Alhambra's not. I don't know if it's still going. I don't think it is. But we met there, and I remember our mutual friend told me that you were a guy had made some features in Evansville, which. Mm-hmm. I think I was at a dismissive point where anytime someone said someone filmed in Evansville, I just assumed that they'd made some really, you know, um, zombie movies with uh, sound in camera and that, you know, not just unwatchable stuff. And they are like, and
1: right. that sounds a lot like the Blair Witch Project, by the way. <laughs> I, have I haven't watched that movie. I bet that holds up. But anyway, speaking with local filmmakers. But, yeah, right. Um, but
0: right. then my friend was like, uh, "He's you've made four features
1: three four young islands different drum uh so technically uh two and a half (laughs) so lottie the most recent film would be the third but it was cut down from a 60 second 60 minute (laughs) yeah yeah sorry 60 minute um 60 minute feature to a uh, to oh, like a yeah. forty-five I'm, minute.
0: I got way too excited. You have you have the three credits on IMDb. That's yeah, right.
1: Yeah, but that's yeah. That's actually not up to date. That uh, Lottie is technically not a feature anymore because it was chopped down to 45 minutes it was chopped off at the knees
0: but Um, what was funny because lottie was the one our mutual friend said like you can see progression in quality mm. and and Mm. you were figuring stuff out because i've only seen your second one different drum
1: oh right right so
0: like but how thanks for watching (laughs) it's on amazon prime
1: still yeah 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 do
0: you you want to plug where the other ones are available now or are they
1: available Mm -hmm. you were to google young islands which is plural i think it it comes up on uh there's some sort of streaming service that it's on indie film something or other yeah i'm honestly not sure but it's 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 out out there there somewhere yeah so
0: i guess the question is well, how old were you when you made the first feature Mm -hmm.
1: No, can we pull up IMDb? what is it your credit is 2011 with it 2011 yeah so that would um that's like late 20s yeah so eight years ago so 20 um it would be 20 probably 26 i guess well what i actually that sounds so weird to even look at that and, and think that because to me in my mind it's like oh I was 17 whenever we did that but really I think that's 20... the impression you've
0: given me too when you we've talked in the past about yeah, it too
1: yeah I lied to you I'm no 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 I lie, g- so <laughs> well I guess
0: my next question was the link between your skating videos and what it took to mm-hmm. like get the chutzpah spot to make a feature or much less we, we did it start out you' were like we're making a feature or like you're just were you filming stuff to
1: mm-hmm. so th- so interesting so there is a film other than this one which I it, it really was like kind of film school boot camp kind of learning how to learning how to edit learning how to um how to use a camera learning how you know like you know all, all these all these things that you that you experiment with um and it was called sunday won't wait and so that's actually not listed on imdb but that was the first film project you and that, that was yeah i was finished because the way
0: you first started talking about it i was like oh maybe it's
1: just sitting out somewhere but i had to well there's a lot of
0: people with either unfinished shorts or unfinished features
1: i just can't it's it's uh i never i didn't even think of it as an option to like not finish it it's like the whole um obsession skateboarding like you know hyper focus on it kind of thing you know previously it was stealing things and not doing that very well and then went to skateboarding and obsessed on that and maybe didn't do that very well and then transitioned into filmmaking and obsessed on that and maybe didn't do that very well who knows but um but the obsession is still uh it's still there but uh but yeah that was that first feature it was a feature but it was like a nine-page synopsis that i wrote and it and it turned into a hilariously enough or maybe not but it was a nine-page synopsis that turned into an hour-and-a-half film. So if you could imagine how how I how lengthy it. some of those I can imagine. I'm sure you can. Um, so it <laughs> was, is, is, subs- were,
0: is this obsession, what was it? Uh, you, I mean, it wasn't technical stuff you were obsessed with. Was it like mm-hmm. how much fun you were having while you were filming? Were you in this, the first feature? Uh,
1: yes. One, one scene, one really uh yes I was two scenes I think I was in it uh I was I was stabbed in it or something like there was a scene where where this uh this character stabs me Mm -hmm. and uh with a little like a little pocket knife thing and and so it was a short-lived scene I was a random character that just popped up out of nowhere and I shaved my head in a bathroom and it sounds like a gumbo scene or something but (laughs) but I shaved my head I didn't shave my eyebrows like the character from Gomo, but i shaved my head and then um i like took a shower or something and then the next time you saw my character i was being stabbed to death so it was like a very random
0: well how do you how do do you feel that how how do you feel about the quality of the movie now
1: I haven't seen it in a... I haven't went back and watched it in a really long time. It's probably just only on a hard drive that's just floating around my house right now, you know? But it'd be really interesting. I mean, I look at it really fondly, like, almost as, like, a you know, a snapshot in time, you know, sure. and like, cause all my, well, even all great directors and...
0: do that with their movies that like uh, considered masterpieces. They're like, I don't want to watch it. It's at best. It's a snapshot.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, it, I mean, to me, that one, it's almost like a yearbook image or a yeah, snapshot in time, but I was much younger. So, so, you know, thinking about young islands as being the first feature film, but that being um, released in 2011, is a little misleading because because Sunday won't wait was a few years before that it was it was two years before that so that would have made me um, like 25 so I would say 25 was whenever I first started like, so what
0: well, were you just hanging or did you uh, did you go to school anywhere around here or did
1: mm-hmm. you? no I dropped out of high school okay I, I'm high school dropout I I, uh, I was so much more interested in skateboarding like that was my that was my thing and and so the skateboarding and like making those uh, those those scenes where you know because at the time I wasn't really interested in holding a camera anymore and and shooting anybody skating. I much preferred. Other <laughs> you'd rather people, a DP um, do it for you to, right, yeah yeah uh, I'd, I'd much rather a good friend of ours you know, grab the camera and, and do their thing. and I didn't even own a camera at the time, but we were using, it's just like a collective camera that all of our friends used, and and we started writing these little skits, and and of course, you know, like CKY was really popular at the time. It was like CKY, yeah, it was like before Jackass and before Bam Margera really blew up as this kind of like cultural icon or whatever he would have been, con- you know, considered as. But um, but CKY was Bam Margera and that whole crew's like first film. Uh, in in philadelphia when was this
0: i I don't know i'm familiar
1: gosh i'm not sure what year that was but uh but it was i mean it was a really in the skateboarding scene it was a really big deal because it was it really it predated jackass it predated all that jackass kind of style stuff it didn't predate the big brothers like magazine and those big brother videos which really solidified you know, Spike Jones and really solidified um, that that crew like the Johnny Knoxville and, and that whole was squad. this
0: so would this have been before being John Malkovich then but yes. probably in the middle of like him making some Spike Jones making some uh, the bigger videos he was doing I
1: think so I think yeah because CKY was not related to any of those people, sure you know I mean and they, they, they were, overlapped later but yeah they overlapped it with Jackass so it oh with Jackass really, yeah me. yeah so it really it was interesting did this
0: circulate but, through I mean was it zine culture was it VHS you guys uh, bootleg with each other
1: definitely VHS and it was uh skate shops you know that's okay. how the distribution for for that video happened which CK skate shops block. in evansville uh get wet okay yeah. do you remember get wet yeah, I remember get, yeah. Wet. I remember get wet yeah yeah wait you know water wa- like wakeboarding <laughs> and wet. <right>? those commercials <laughs> were awesome um it, it just really sticks in your head doesn't it? yeah yeah uh, yeah, half half wakeboards, half skateboard shop. But that, I mean, that shop really. It was a big deal. I mean, to me, it was like the coolest place ever. You know, I'd walk in and and just be completely blown away by by the by the vibe in that in that place. You know, like all the cooler older skateboard kids worked there, um, and then eventually our generation got cool enough to work there. I never worked there. I don't think I was cool enough to work there, but a lot of my friends worked there. And and so uh, that Get Wet really funneled, you know, 411, which was a video magazine uh, with skateboarding and it was huge at the time. Big Brother videos were a big deal and CKY was, blew up. I mean, it made like Bam Margera and that whole crew of Philadelphia skateboarders um, I think Philadelphia. I think that's where they're from.
0: Were they but... these just like <laughs> assembled sketches then, and in, in between mm-hmm. uh, just skating videos and stuff, or like... exactly?
1: Mean it was like it would. I would guess that it was like a 50-50 split, which was really weird at the time for it to be that heavy on sketches and like and you know, Bam Margera would hop into a shopping cart and they'd like push him into a bush or something I was (laughs) going to say like so
0: much of what I remember from Jack I don't remember the TV show Jackass I remember really getting into the first movie but I remember like it
1: was just like I
0: think there was a little bit of skating but for the most part it was stunts
1: yeah and then Jackass took you know Jackass took the stunts even further and it was like Fuck yourself per, up. Get you yeah. in the
0: head. Get brain damage. Right. It was
1: like ten percent skateboarding and ninety percent being an idiot, you know. Whereas, but they they didn't I mean they, know, they they're ske- eventually got to the point where it was like hundred percent being an idiot. But they weren't really like
0: Their sketches were more kind of like um uh you know, Spike Jones is a grandma or something like that. Oh right. Or, or yeah. I mean they didn't really did they have any like uh designed like uh like set based stuff or anything like that
1: no the the cky or you mean the cky yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that was or jackass too yeah i don't you know and jackass i didn't really i'm not really sure because i didn't get too huge into that but i but the cky sketches were not elaborate like at all like they were not they were not um
0: what was usually funny about or good about them
1: the music and the characters and the, the, you know, and they weren't even, you know, I'm sure they were putting on some sort of a, a character, you know, kind of facade before they started filming. But they, you know, and some were full on fictional characters that they would just make up and like go through a drive through and talk to, you know, talk to the person at the McDonald's or something, you know, and it was just the the combination of the music plus the I-don't-give-a-fuck attitude that they had. Uh, plus, we were hungry for something that represented like our generation of skateboarding, which, you know, kids represented the 90s generation right. of skateboarding. And, or the, or, I guess I should say the early 90s version yeah. of skateboarding. And then we represented the later version of, <laughs> the later 90s version or the early 2000s version. But, um but we kind of bridged that gap there because if I started skateboarding whenever I was 12, it would have been 96. So, um, right. Age 84, 12. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. 96. So, so we were like on the, we were on the later nineties kind of edge of it, but, and kids was phenomenal. Like, man, kids was so cool to us. It like, it slapped us in the face and, and, um, it did not make it make us want to, like, move to New York or anything. <laughs> it did not make us want to, like, you know, be like them at all or be like Casper or what happened. You know, like, that film is a... that To me, that's a, a real cautionary tale sure. of excess, you know. Uh, Even, I don't know if Harmony Crane meant it to be that, you know, or, or not. It was just accidental. But, you know, it did not make me want to like live like like that or anything but but for some reason cky and that that style we didn't idolize them but we but we wanted to make content similar to that
0: so were you starting to then just take um the stuff you were writing expanding it and making it um like were you starting to connect sketches and things like that together too or yeah, we never really wrote anything,
1: but we, you know. Kind did of you guys came up with characters? Yeah, we came up with characters, but we did a lot of it, like, just on the fly. Like, we would just improv stuff. And, uh, and our whole idea was we were going to make this tape, this video, and then we would put it out on public access. Because <laughs> someone told us, like, oh, anybody could go on public access. Right. You could put anything on it. And we're like, oh, my God, you can do anything you want on public access. Let's do it. Let's make our own show. So we called it The Show because we thought no other shows mattered other than ours. What is
0: public access in Evansville? Was it WNIN? Um,
1: God, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe it might have been. Um, it might have been WNIN. Well, I mean, was it? In- <laughs> Which there's no way that they would let us on, and it's so controlled. And I've I've seen PBS, public access yeah. elsewhere.
0: I just never saw it here. Like a- yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, we didn't even. There was like there was a channel that I don't think it was PBS because PBS actually has shows. We we thought of public access as there was a channel. And I can't remember what channel it was, but. There's a channel that like put out a lot of super low quality videos of, of you know people talking about like, you know religion or whatever it might be at the time. It might it not even. Familiar. It might not even even have been like true, you know, truly what public access is. But there was some channel that gave had, you access that had very low standards and just yes, gave you access, and uh, and so. I wasn't in charge of like communicating with this public access entity, quote unquote, and so I don't know much about it other than a friend of ours, John, was very keen on us being on public <laughs> access, right? So, so we made this show, and um, and we were really nervous because we, you know, we didn't have scripts and we didn't have we didn't know what we we're going to say. So of course we. Uh, you know being 16 year olds we were super nervous and we were cursing all the time so so did every... public access, access give you any standards they didn't but they had them and the standards <laughs> were you can do whatever you want Except anything profane so you can't you know you can't have profanity well you know the supreme
0: court's definition of uh (laughs) pornography
1: is you know when you see it so that's right that's right what does that mean yeah yeah it's a little vague is there seven
0: words what are you what are you gonna do yeah is that a carlin thing yeah
1: the seven words yeah yeah uh so yeah so they so they wouldn't let us do it i guess and uh and so the show died at that point because of course we were 16 and and we got distracted by some other shiny thing at the time and
0: i guess i just assumed you were older whenever this came around
1: no no i was 16 i i think or yeah 15 or 16 but it was it was short-lived and then uh but what really interested me was the was the sketch side of it you know that that was really fun to me and i was like oh wow this is this is cool and I like the idea of filming stuff other than skateboarding. I still love skateboarding. But I but I enjoyed the other well, stuff more than what I enjoyed actually filming skateboarding. So it kind of sparked something.
0: I what's think. the pathway between uh, the end of high school and your first
1: feature, oh, I guess? God, that's a... Man, that's a... It seems in retrospect... Is that a broad question? No. Well, it seems in retrospect it was so condensed, but it really wasn't. You know, it's, re- it's really... It's interesting. Look at dates. Hence you, you
0: do trying to do the
1: math in your head, and being yeah. like, "Was it that long?" Yeah. yeah, and and to look at dates and go, "Wow, it was, you know, twenty five before I I started actually filming stuff." And then what the hell did I do between seventeen and twenty five? You know, I ju- in the meantime I dropped out of high school. I uh, I got my GED because I I I just you know the the idea of of going to like one more class basically killed me. And uh, at the time, I had you know like a lip piercing and and like I, know, I think I had a mohawk or something. And the principal at Bossy told me that I had to take out my lip ring. And of course, I used that as an excuse to drop out. And I was <laughs> like, oh well, that's it. This is oppression, you know. Um, I'm being oppressed with my with a very logical request to take out a lip ring. And and uh, of course I. You know, sure. I blew it out of proportion and said, "Well, I'm done with this school," and I mm-hmm. took my skateboard out and, and 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 left. But I, but I, you know, probably just a lot of floundering and living and and um, you know, I I uh, almost died because I got appendicitis and and that was bad. What was and, that? Uh, I think I was 18 whenever that happened. Okay. Yeah, and What's I was out of school at the time. I dropped out already, and I. Um, so that's like a benchmark for my memory on, on when that happened, but it was very, I mean, I was like hospitalized for, for over a month because of it. Um, and I had an appendectomy, which is a very normal, like, you know, surgeons can do this with their eyes closed, you know, usually, except there were complications with mine. And so it like caused a lot of issues. And huh. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild, but uh, but I I just skateboarded a lot. I focused on Re- recovery and music. How long
0: did recovery take?
1: Mm, probably like three or four months or so, something like that. It was a it was a surprisingly long recovery and and not common at all. I mean, it's so rare for an ap- appendectomy to go wrong. <laughs> like that, those are. You know, so have you ever known anyone to have a Uh, appendix?
0: Yeah, but it sounds like a freak accent. I I feel like I know someone who had happened to,
1: but Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, it's so easy. You know, they like I guess they don't even like cut you with a big incision anymore. They do it all. um, They do it all. uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they just make like three minor incisions, one near your belly button, one near your like your pelvic region, and then. Uh, one over uh, on the side of your stomach and then they they just make those three tiny little incisions and then take your appendix out huh. that way. But I- because they did that, it, it ruptured and there was complications. complication.
0: No, I'm one of those people that every time I, you know, like, run and feel pain at my side, I'm like, I especially hit my years when I didn't have health insurance, where I was like, Shh, am I going to be out 20 grand? Like,
1: right, yeah. But Did you always think it was your appendix yes. exploding? Yes. Yeah. Because right.
0: my mom had hers, uh, not either tonsils or appendix early in life. So as a kid, yeah. I was like, when is this going to happen? Like a ticking clock. So, <laughs> right. so Well, I'm
1: glad yours hasn't exploded. Earth, yes. Earth, we're, um, we're knocking rotten. on wood
0: now. Um. So... Um amongst your group of friends like you know whenever george romero made night of the living dead i don't know if there was like a coin flip but somehow it emerged he was going to be the one that directed how amongst your group did you become the guy that was i'm mainly the one shooting on the one or re- were you writing anything or if you were writing this stuff down or yeah. you were the one that was going to put it together afterwards or
1: yeah that's such a great That's such a great question because uh that it's awesome that you brought up Night of the Living Dead I never heard that story so they did a, fl- a I don't a know if it was a little out. flip
0: coin but like all of them were kind of co-equals at that and he ended that's up so being the cool. one that um, I don't know if he just spearheaded it or they yeah. really just kind of ceded control but yeah
1: god I love that film that's one of the that's one of the the greats I uh, secretly not so secretly I've, <laughs> I, I, I I Night of the Living Dead has been in every uh, film that I've made so far in some capacity, either on a TV being watched by a oh, character, that's right. or being or like being played somewhere in the background. I,
0: like I mentioned, I've, the only one I've seen is different drum, but I remember you pointing out to where it was playing in different drum. Yeah, and it's public domain, so we can do that,
1: right? It is, and I felt so. There was actually email correspondence with um, with George Romero's manager. Uh, this was before he passed away. And there was an email correspondence whenever we were making um, Young Islands. And Young Islands was a, was, that was like the first, you know, that was the, the, the second film project that I had ever made and, or written and directed in our, in our friend group made. But I wanted to put Night of the Living Dead in it, right? Because I, I love that film so much. And, and if, if any film, were the film that made me feel like oh wow, this is there's a, there's a there's people behind this and oh my god, this is a real That's work it. of art that would be it. I mean that was that was uh, a big deal to me and it also just it made it feel like and this isn't meant to be a dig at all because I love the film so much but you know what was it how much was that film made for? I mean, it was like a very small budget. And it just seemed like a group of friends. It was, right? was. I don't know. You know I like, mean,
0: it's low budget, but I don't know. If people ever around, bandied around the uh, figure. It was just more like low budget movies weren't uh, made at the time, outside of Casabettis, and um, right. you know, or they're isolated, it's like Kubrick's first movies or stuff like
1: that. But. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just truly loved the. Um, it just made it feel like it was possible, you know, that you hmm. could, that you could do this, that you could get a group of friends together. You could write a script. You could, uh, you could do something. You could do something as lofty as create an entire subgenre of a horror film yeah. with a group of friends. Like that is, wow, that's phenomenal. It, though, the horror genre, I mean, I love horror films, and it's something. And it's funny whenever we just we first started sitting down talking about it, like local films so often are not are within a genre, right, right? and. Uh, but I've I've loved Night of the Living Dead since I was, um, you know, since I was as far back as I can remember. Yeah, have I you
0: know. seen the Criterion Blu-ray yet? There's a, they have a rough cut oh, that's no. got uh, I forget what the original name is, but uh, it was under a different name originally. You should check Good it out. God, no! I yeah. I need
1: to see that. That sounds that sounds amazing and beautiful. But but uh, the yeah the idea to to have Night of Living Dead and Young Island's uh i i wanted to go about the proper channels to license it or to get to get permission you know because uh-huh. I, I knew it was in the public domain because i've heard about how there's 48 how that, different versions of it on dvd and how tragically that happened you know and so i uh, i messaged and also uh, uh our producer on young island's uh Lavender Timmons, who's a, a friend of mine who helped on, you know, so many film projects. Oh, wait, no, sorry, shit, she wasn't, she didn't produce Young Islands. That was uh, Jill Nellis and, and, and myself. But, uh, so, Jill and I both reached out to um, the manager of, of George Romare. And, like, the way that we found the manager's contact was really funny because we we dug through, like, there was some sort of comic book that was released at some point in time through...
0: Yeah, Al- Alex Maleev is a Marvel one. Alex Maleev drew it. Okay, so... Is it, if it we're talking about the same one. So
1: there was... And then there was... Then that was being sold online somewhere. And so the place that it was being sold was a some sort of a, a e-commerce store.
0: Was it called Empire of the Dead?
1: Uh... You know what?
0: That's oh, the one maybe. I'm thinking of. Yes, that's who, the one I'm thinking of.
1: Who released? Who? Was, oh, Marvel. Did. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's the one that's I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, I, I don't think it was Marvel, unless they were maybe selling it on a additional, like on some e-commerce site that wasn't like a Marvel site or something, which could, maybe that could have been. But that's how we tracked down the manager's email. Was just digging around online until we found George Romero's manager's email, and so we messaged him about it. We said, "Hey, we want to." Ask for, you know, Mr. Romero's permission to show it, and I think we even clipped out, you know, just like the little thirty-second shot of what of how we represented the film, how we represented *Night of the Living Dead* in our movie, and gave them a synopsis and and all that stuff. And the email back was just like, dude, you know, this is in the public. You don't have to ask permission. Just put it in your damn movie you know essentially and it, and then I e- emailed back saying no 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 we want to we want to <sighs> ask if it's okay and, and if he if he doesn't want us to put it in there if he like you know it was part of this to like get it. him to
0: like look at all this stuff at least to get it on George Romero's
1: desk well it wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a bad thing right? <laughs> so <laughs> but if he would have said like no fuck you guys we don't want to I don't want my movie to be associated with this movie in any way shape or form then we would have taken it out, no problem. But then they never replied, so we went with the first response and said, "Okay, we can just do whatever we want with it."
0: Have you ever seen Night Riders? No, I haven't no. either. But I read something recently about it, where it's, uh, it's a great essay where they were talking about it having the ultimate um, George Romero's punk rock ethos, basically of not wanting to go to Hollywood and want to be in a local filmmaker and really? and you know do it for the purity of at least that was this is not like a synthesis of the essay, but it just seems like it overlaps yeah. with. Some of the philosophies you were you were talking about. So,
1: do you think that George Romero had a you had that punk rock ethos of, of we clearly not didn't want to be, or do or do you think that he tried and just kept getting burned, and he wanted to be in Hollywood in the Hollywood system, but the Hollywood system just would not kind of give in to what he you know because you know Land of the Dead. I mean, that was a, sure, that a but, that was a studio. For
0: Oh no, right. he made studio movies after this point, but it was just like he was very much into the um, making studio movies on his terms. So, oh right. So yeah. I mean, like he wasn't going to be uh, jumping in a joy to uh, direct a disaster movie in the '70s or something with a big budget. That's,
1: so. What, what do you think? Why do you think it is that some filmmakers can navigate and the system and some can't, like Quentin Tarantino? I mean that dude has navigated. He's releasing films on 70 millimeter prints, like right. like forcing theaters to to go back in time by 40 years and retroactively. But <laughs> like, I assume how? it's a
0: combination of uh, making people money and politics and being able to na- like uh, navigate people too. So, but I mean, in his yeah. case, he's you know it's a combination he's making people money and mm-hmm. his movies are demonstrably people are proud to be making mm-hmm. so they want to be making movies for him and George Romero like you know mm-hmm. it's, it's that it's that, const, that um constant fight between high and low art that especially in the 70s and going up even up until the last few years is like up until the internet got really proud big was people really had hard distinguishing between high and low art like they were like yeah. whenever someone was like no I'm making high art but I also have fart jokes or something like that and you know yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I've just I've you know George Romero do you think it's his story is a sad story no no you don't do yeah. you kind of why? Yeah. Uh, Would well, do you think? Night he, Living Dead just being, you know, anytime he spoke about it, it seemed like it just really uh, took over his career. Yeah, I mean, well, it took over his career, and also he didn't, he wasn't able to to control it. You know, there were like so many different companies releasing that film, and and you know he wasn't able to. Not that it's about financial reward or whatever, but he wasn't able to. To really monetize that and and put that back into a production company that would then, you know, hire the same crew back right. to do sequels and to and to branch off and to do whatever else. It I might mean, be. if I he did, if he didn't feel scale. happy about
0: it, then sure, I think it's not a good thing. But I mean, I I think there's periods where he seemed like he had some um, happiness artistically, mm-hmm. and you know, he mm-hmm. just maybe he didn't want to have. I I'm sure everyone has those ambitions. Every filmmaker has those ambitions to, uh, mm-hmm. any I don't, I don't like the, um, you know, flying too close to the sun metaphors that Kubrick was really big into. Like I like, mm-hmm. uh, lately I've been thinking more about the person that makes stuff that's true of themselves that doesn't, um. So, c- compromise itself you know mm-hmm. especially as like the market right now is just I don't know what's happening to the market right now mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's a weird time right? right I mean it's a super weird time with Netflix which is the know, streaming
0: services time. online yeah I mean most of your movies have been have you played a few festivals where they played online mostly
1: mm-hmm. yeah they played on yeah they've I mean we were really fortunate to to team up with a, a distribution company to release different from that was cool and that's you know why it's on Amazon Prime and available on iTunes and and you know and all these other all these other areas which is which is really cool um did the same thing happen to Lanny or no it didn't and it, it because, because of the not feature right yeah mainly because of, of that but i don't know if it would have been anyways you know it's uh i i don't know i'm not sure i haven't quite you know um, Crack the code on kind of what the next step would be. You know. Well,
0: every time I hit you up about your next feature, I, right now it's, you see you've been really busy with the day job is Blackstreet Media, mm-hmm. Black Media. Yeah, yeah. Black Strap. Do you want to talk about
1: being that, a, that's an your company you founded, right? Right. Yeah. And did
0: you find it? Found it? Find it? Found it by yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, I. So my. Yeah, I was. You know, of course it. Complaining about my day job to my wife, but it was my then my then girlfriend, and uh, I was complaining about filmmaking, and you know talking to her about I just I just want to you know get enough money to make films on the weekends. Like that's all that I wanted to do was like you know save money, make films on the weekends, and uh, and I was complaining to her about that, and so she said, well why don't you just make video content for businesses why don't you just do that and of course i was you know um i was uh in a mood so i, I said something like oh you don't understand this is art and that's not that's commerce Th- that's a that's different. A <laughs> good
0: natural first reaction or first thought
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely not uncommon i don't think but but then two weeks later or whatever however long it was later I realized that she was absolutely right, you know, like yeah, why not try and do that. So I so Blackstrap Media started because you know, we we were making films under the name Blackstrap Pictures and then Blackstrap Media was just a natural evolution of that. Okay. And so the idea was to uh, make video content and commercials for businesses in the same Way uh, that we had been creating uh, feature film content, which did not happen.
0: When did this, but when did the company, for, did you guys switch over to the media portion of uh, it?
1: 2015. Oh, yeah. okay,
0: so not even that long ago.
1: Yeah, okay. no, we, uh, five years old uh, in January. Well, what's funny yeah. is
0: if anybody in uh, Evansville mm-hmm. sees a movie at Showplace Cinema, as you've seen Blackstrap in front of mm-hmm. it. They, you're, you guys, that, it's like every movie I see, it's like, Kevin.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, does it look good?
0: I wish the um mastering on it was a little softer. They oh, play okay. it so
1: loud. Oh really?
0: Well, okay. you know that there's always the trailer problem where um yeah. trailers are um are mixed louder yeah. and so you got to turn it So I mean it, right. and the move, for begin movie starts but
1: Yeah, shit. That might have been our bad. Then maybe we need to take another look at that mix. And and how expensive are your
0: outputs? I mean, are you gonna get? Are you gonna give them all new stuff? Is it worth it? Are they? Are are your clients unhappy with it?
1: Uh, yeah. I don't know. It might just be you. It's probably just me. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe not fancy technical (laughs) (laughs) nothing. I guess not. Uh, but yeah. So that that is my day job. Yeah. It it consumes a lot of time and being a business owner is phenomenal and i love it but we we we're a full service ad agency now you know so we've really grown over the past four and a half five years we're you know we are full service ad agency that does everything from web design to to video production still of course is a big part of what we do but we also do social media advertising strategies and really you know that's what really sets apart and cut our teeth was on digital and and social side of things which is which is really you know exciting to me because now of course so much of success of, of filmmakers and and films is all built around an audience right and You know that's, that's
0: where the audiences are going or coming to at least yeah and
1: and you know i've even i've even heard which makes a ton of sense why you would why you would do this as a as a film festival uh, moderator or, or scheduler or who, whatever the terminology is but for you to look at not only the film but the filmmaker's audience on social, yeah. Ted, um, Ted Hope, the guy
0: from Amazon, always talks up that like uh, you need to um, be recognizing like how much of us like actual audience, a way of quantifying uh, quantifying the audience that they have. So their social media following is people like Kevin Smith are notorious for this. Right? So. Yeah.
1: Kevin Smith. Yeah. Wow. Great example. Uh, yeah. And I mean, his tour right now, you know, they're touring around with. The latest, the
0: news, uh, second um, or not second, um, yeah. Jane's Simon, hey, it's Bob, Bob reboot.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they're touring around with that because I don't think that they got a wide distribution with it. I don't think they wanted a wide distribution. For or it. maybe they didn't want I that. I, yeah. the vibe.
0: I read was that yeah. was they were deliberately forward walled it. Oh
1: really? Oh wow. I mean, okay. You can control your costs that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I know that he. You know, it seemed like he was really trying to sell stuff to Amazon for a while. Like I, I listened to a podcast with him where he he spoke about the challenges of like he would go into Amazon and they were super nice and they're like oh my god give us men. yay yeah we love you and then he would pitch like idea after idea after idea and they were just constantly just you know not impressed not not green lighting not not you know bringing him in but he it seems like he's got such a built-in audience. It's like a no-brainer. Yeah,
0: for I I Smith, I don't but. feel too bad for him just cuz it feels like whenever <laughs> he like I mean, yes, there's specific things he wants to make that have that he made within the studios and the IPs now not allowing him to do it, but mm-hmm. like there also mm-hmm. seems like if he wants to whenever he wants to make something like he's he's smartly cultivated an audience that is going to be there no matter right. what.
1: Yeah, right. And I think you know, he's done a he yeah, he's done a great job of building up an audience, but I think that you know, there's uh, People, I mean, there's great examples of filmmakers who have, are just brilliant at branding, you know. And, and I think Hitchcock, for sure, like he understood.
0: What do you think Hitchcock would be like now?
1: Oh, I think he'd be all over Instagram. Yeah. I mean, he would be. Or he'd out. be a TikTok
0: dancer. answer. <laughs>
1: he would be, right. Yeah, he'd be all over
0: TikTok. Oh. I think, I mean. I mean, he innovated putting himself in the trailer.
1: That's right. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I mean, his brand was so iconic. He would, he, you know, his the TV show, right? But it, the, yeah, I, I can't recall what that was called. But Alfred Hitchcock presents. Well, there you go. That's yeah. it. Yeah, mystery solved. The
0: name in there. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and just the the logo that was drawn on, which right, was right. just his profile. Right, you know, right. I mean, how phenomenal is that? He he just really understood that side of it. Tarantino understood that side of it. Uh, or understands that side of it and you know a lot of examples of of, you know like our generation of filmmakers understand it too you know I think over dinner we mentioned uh, uh, Joe Swanberg and some of the you know, the, Joe Swamberg's such a good example of this yeah and, he, and the thing
0: is he he doesn't even track. have to bend over backwards to brand himself but he's he knows what type of movies he wants to make and how to yeah. keep funding them
1: yeah right yeah he's he's really seems to have cracked the code yeah and he yeah I don't know and he's so open with discussing it too We've, I,
0: uh, you and I have talked about his keynote the, that's the, the right South at by South G- By oh yeah
1: it's a great keynote it's such a good one it's so motivating yeah it's, I it's mean, very inspiring very inspiring yeah after watching that it's just like holy shit I want to go out and make a film Like that just makes you want to make a movie if you've got it in you at all and after you watch that and you don't make it, you know, then maybe you don't have it in you. But, so but
0: piggybacking off this, mm-hmm. my final question, uh, maybe not maybe not a good way to go out, but where are you at on your next movie?
1: Oh, yeah. Because
0: um, every time I've hit you up about it, you're just like, I'm going to put pen to
1: paper. Yeah. It's uh, 35. I think it's at 35 pages right now. Okay. Um, and which is about, for me, it's like halfway.
0: Do you, are you writing with uh, um, locations and people in mind? Are you much more free form about how you put the stuff together?
1: I usually find, I know I love to find actors who, um, who I think would be, you know, good examples of of what characters would, would be like or look like or or whatever. And then, um, and then. Right with those people in mind obviously it never happened like you know the, the size of films that I that have made historically and, and um, uh, this film the film that I'm working on now would require a certain amount of budget so you know honestly the films that I've made up until this point haven't required a big budget you know but this film would actually require m- it, money behind it you know I think the most that was ever spent on a film project was like Five thousand, and that even includes like song licensing. That includes an audio mix. That includes, you know, that includes. That's um, all your post, basically. Right? Too. Yeah, all, yeah. All your online stuff. Yeah, you know, different drum. I think different drum probably costs about five thousand dollars to make. Was
0: this because of the streaming requirements?
1: No, it was because of the uh, travel time and the cost of hotel stays, and then. <sighs> And then post production. The,
0: the cool thing about different Drum is like it, it, it exceeds its budget in the way it looks as a travel film because you know oh, a lot thanks. of things. Well, because a lot of people are going to be like, uh, uh, let's get second Utah driving shots <laughs> and shoot in an interior hotel, you know? Right. right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's what that's what I was. You know, maybe that would have been a smarter, uh, more fiscally minded approach to it. Would have been, but I didn't understand. But uh, it,
0: but it shows in the film. But, so, oh, thanks, man. Oh, that's um,
1: yeah, I didn't under, Yeah, I didn't quite understand. But and, and it made so much more sense because honestly, the whole film was shot as if it were a second unit. I mean, it was like me, Eddie Scully. Two actors, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, it was pretty bare bones. You don't get more bare bones than that, yeah. you know, and then, and then, you know, my mom dropping off craft services for us and like, was she following you on the trip? No, not on the trip. The trip was craft services was provided by Taco Bell okay. most often, um, dong. but, <laughs> dong. indeed. And, and then once we got back to town, so it was split into two production schedules. So we did the, we did the on the road traveling and then we came back we had a two week break and then we shot the rest oh of so
0: you, you had a break but it still shot pretty close it's yeah. not one of those you shot on weekends for a long period of time type no. thing
1: no no we were no it was great we, you know everyone involved Eddie was on uh, like a extended leave it was before Eddie Scully was the cinematographer on that film and it was before he had moved uh like well no I think no maybe he was in uh, LA at the time but he had a big break in his schedule that we could fit it in okay and uh and that usually is how we actually made film. so like he was a cinematographer on different drum he also shot we shot some short films together uh one called the strangers and then uh, and then he he shot lottie as well he was the dp for I, lottie which i still need to see apparently and uh Need to send you a copy of it because uh, it's not available anywhere online. Which it, yeah, we need to put it up. But um, but he usually would fit production in between a break that he would have. So okay. a lot of it was filmed on like on a holiday break, on like Christmas break. Essentially, <laughs> it was a two week production, and uh, and we shot it um, pretty quick, two weeks, and then we did some pickup. Sh- we did some a few pickup shots uh, that. Myself and Lavender Timmons, who's a producer on it, uh, we just shot it ourselves, and we oh. did like two scenes, maybe outside the scope of the of scenes, the...
0: not like just like pickup shots.
1: Yeah, we did two full on scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just me. It was just her and I, and and so I was in front of the camera, and then uh, she was like, you know, pushing record, and also operating boom, oh, <laughs> you know, and then I was doing the slate, and uh, so yeah, it was it was. Yeah, we really st- pulled that one together. But, uh, but uh, I can't remember where we were going with that. Oh, the two different production periods with different drum. Yeah, it was split into two different two different periods of time. And it was nice because the whole, you know, the crew and the cast, which there weren't many of us, you know, handful, but everyone was able to take off extended periods of time. You know, like mm-hmm. Zach Zent, who is in the film. He quit his job <laughs> to come out and film with us. Isabella was in school. She also took like, you know, a total of four weeks off vacation. You know, it's not like anybody got paid very much. Like there were, you know, a little bit of compensation here and there to kind of help ease the pay pain. Pay for Taco you know? Bell. Yeah. Pay for Taco Bell to help ease the pain of taking off for, for so long. Um, and then Zach sent, like got his job back after he got back into town, which was cool. They hired him back. So he quit. They wouldn't let him off for vacation. They he quit to make the film with us, and then whenever he got back, they hired him back on. So it was cool. All ends well, yeah. um, and he still works there too, which is funny. He works at the Knob Hill, which is a restaurant in. Denver. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So Kevin Chanel,
1: yeah Chanel, Chanel, Chanel. Do you Chenault.
0: wanna Do you wanna uh, brand yourself and put out your uh,
1: uh, online
0: handles or
1: mm, anything yeah, you put sure. on
0: Instagram or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Kevin Chenault at uh, or Chanel or Chanel um, uh The Instagram is there. Uh, you know all that. Are you jazz. on Twitter? Twitter, yeah, yeah. I tweet sometimes. Okay. Yeah, every once in a while last tweet what, it? what was the last tweet oh just the other day actually it was about joker crossing the one billion dollar mark um, what do you think what do you think about joker uh, by the way the, we're we're we do not have another hour <laughs> we box. don't have enough uh, my <laughs> definitive a thumbs up thumbs
0: down give thumbs, me, give thumbs, me down, a, give thumbs down me a, a, thumb whoa my whoa. my the, the the easiest quote i can tell you is um, i i pulled up some alan moore quotes from when mm-hmm. he wrote the killing joke and he mm-hmm. just talked about how fundamentally silly the, uh, character the joker is and you shouldn't be applying all these like real human psychology and grimness onto him because he's a character that's so fundamentally silly you can't handle it oh, wow. so the movie wow. it, the, for a movie that's superficial and really j- deeply juvenile which it's a well-made very well-made yeah. movie which is yeah. kind of undeniable but it's a deeply juvenile movie what do you
1: think about uh the performance joaquin
0: Oh, Joaquin Phoenix! Oh gosh, he—who yeah. needs him anymore? I mean, yeah. we do. We need another Joaquin Phoenix. It's—he is now hit. He's—I don't know if Daniel Day-Lewis is really going to retire, but it seems like he's taken over that mantle. Where you, like you got to stop what you're doing every performance he does now.
1: It really does, yeah. yeah. It really does seem like. Uh, why do Why have we forgotten about Daniel Day-Lewis? I mean, it because he says like, he's retired. Yeah, it seems like. But it seems like people have not even. You know, I was just listening to a. Um, like a YouTube video where this, I think it was Collider maybe. And they were talking about the greatest actors, you know, and they were talking about the greatest actors of our time. And they didn't
0: have Daniel Day-Lewis in there. No,
1: they were just talking about Joaquin Phoenix, uh, being like the greatest yeah and but that how
0: much I of that is so surprised how much of that is clickbait short-sightedness probably, where you're like uh,
1: probably a lot of
0: it you know, i mean so much film writing and film writing stuff is so short-sighted mm-hmm. right now and just with very little history and historical perception you know so what, yeah. do, what are you going to Yeah, what are you going to get from that i
1: mean i think i think yeah if daniel day lewis is not in the in the top 3 or five greatest actors of all time. I mean, it's it's, it's a real shame, or a uh, or a very questionable top five list. I would yeah. Say. Well, yeah. do
0: do we need to make a list? Can't we just enjoy the performances?
1: <laughs> That's an even better way of looking at it, isn't it? But I, I do like to make I do like to make lists. We're cool. Yeah.
0: Well, Kevin, I think are you good? Or to to quote Great. the Mark Maron
1: ending, are we good? We're good. All right, man. Thanks yeah. for coming back. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah.